You don't have to be alive very long before you realize that life's got its ups and it's got its downs. You don't have to be around too long before you realize that life is full of trials. This morning, this message I'm going to share with you is something the Lord spoke to me a while back, and, and uh, it was just a, an encouraging message to me personally, and I, I want to share it with you because, because God wants to build us up, He wants to encourage us, He wants to empower us, just as what was spoken, to carry His Word forth. Amen? Some of the things that, we, that this message would bring about has already taken place around our altars. God's already doing a work, and I believe Him is doing that work. And this morning, as we finish, this, finish off, we're going to finish off with a word, a declaration of what God is doing already. So this morning, uh, as you turn to Psalm 23, we're going to look and see uh, that the Word of God is not just separate from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, I, I read these passages, like I said, it's been a while back now, but as I read them, I saw Psalm 23... And then I saw it lived out by Jesus in Matthew chapter 14. Let's just look at it quickly. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this morning, I know that you know, I know that you know that this is a prophetic psalm. It's a psalm of David about Christ. It's a psalm from David about the nature of Christ. And and it's a picture to us who he is, even though it wasn't lived out at that moment. The problem with Psalm 23 is, is we've all heard it 10,000 billion gazillions and trillions of times. Amen? Amen. Everybody, everybody knows Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He makes me light. I, you know, everybody knows it. And as I recall, I even quoted it on The Beast last year at Kings Island. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. If you don't believe me, ask Zach Messick, he was there. I did, didn't I? Because when I went through the little tunnel thing sideways, I was screaming, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We've heard, we've heard Psalm 23 at probably 85% of every funeral we've ever been to. Well, I, I think sometimes when you hear and see something so much, it, it, we get so accustomed to it, it kind of loses uh, its flavor, I guess you could say. It's kind of like John 3.16. Everybody knows it. Everybody's heard it. So much so that we just kind of look at it and move on. My friends, this morning, I want to show you a picture that Christ showed me in my devotion time. A parallel between this into Matthew 14. Now this is something you're probably not going to hear a bunch of scholars talk about. This is just a simple word from the Lord to me, and I want to share it with you this morning. Matthew 14. Beginning in verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Background. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. Jesus 
gets in a boat and goes to a solitary place. Now, I've heard ministers say over and over again, Jesus was upset and just tried to be alone. Poor Jesus. Poor Jesus can't even get away from the crowd to be alone. His best friend, his cousin died. Poor Jesus. Oh, poor, poor Jesus. And I can't help but think maybe that minister is just trying to get away from the crowd and nobody will leave him alone. But that's not what happened. We have to be careful, church, to not put on Christ the tendencies of mankind. Because while he was man, he was also God. And he knew all things. He knew the plan of God. He knew the will of God. And, I, and I, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, if, if Jesus was upset, that means he didn't know and understand what God was going to do. Nobody knew the plan of God better than Jesus. He knew what was going on with John. He knew John's ministry was up and over with and done. John himself said, there's one coming after me. Jesus knew that he had fulfilled his purpose as the predecessor to the Christ. Amen. He already knew that. He was beheaded. He was killed. Even John himself knew he sent those people to question Jesus. Are you the Messiah? Should there be somebody else I'm looking for? Is there somebody else? Why? Because John knew that if it was Jesus, his time was up. He was done. He knew what his role was. Jesus was not running away from the crowd. He was running to them. You say, but Pastor Bob, he got into a boat by himself and went somewhere else. Let's look at that passage again real quick. Let's look at it. It says, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds did what? They followed him. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We've heard over and over and over, Jesus declare himself as the good shepherd. John chapter 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Church, he was not running away. The hired hand runs away when things get tough. Amen? Jesus said, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to get in a boat and I'm going to go somewhere to them. You say, Pastor Bob, it still doesn't make sense. Jesus got into a boat and he led them to a place of solitude. We're going somewhere with this this morning. Amen. He led them to a place of solitude. Jesus is our shepherd, number one. Amen. He is our good shepherd. And he led these individuals to a place of solitude. Why do they need a solitude place? Why do they need to get away? Because Jesus knew the plan of God. He knew what was going on. But we have to remember that a large number of his followers, his disciples, were John the Baptist's followers as well. And the man that baptized them and the prophet that ministered to them was now dead. And they were hurting. And then this Jesus gets in a boat and he takes off. Sounds kind of goofy, doesn't it? Gets in a boat, it starts taking off away from him, and the crowd follows him around. Church, you, you say, what's the point? The point is this. At the times of our greatest despair, and it feels like Jesus isn't there, he's leading you to a place of solitude. Amen. You say, what? what? Where was, where was your Jesus, Pastor Bob, when this happened? Where was your Jesus when this happened? Where was Jesus when this happened in my life? Do you know how many times as a pastor I've heard that question? 
But Pastor Bob, this happened to me. Where was Jesus then? Where was Jesus when my son did this? Where was Jesus when my daughter did this? Where was Jesus when the doctor told me this? Listen, my friends, Jesus is not interested in answering all of our questions. He's interested in us trusting Him. He wants us to simply follow Him. He's going to lead us. And lead us to a place of solitude. He led them to a place of solitude where there were quiet waters. Away from the noise, away from the busyness, away from the trouble, away from the struggling, away from the pain. Why? It said he got there and he got out of the boat and he healed them. He had compassion on them. If he didn't want to be with them, he would have turned the boat around and went a different direction. But he's a compassionate, merciful shepherd that led these people to a place of healing. You say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is is that God wants to lead us to our place of solitude in our prayer closet. That'd be a good place for. This is true. And and you know why it's so true? It's because he loves us. In the hard times of our lives, that is when it drives us to our knees. Do you know that that's purposeful? Do you know that God will allow things to happen to us and there are times where Jesus will be ahead of us and we're saying, where are you, you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? Because we can't find him and he wants us to seek him. He's leading us. A little child will be across the room and you'll do this and they'll start walking toward you because they, you lead them. And Jesus wants to lead us. And that's what he's doing in this situation. He leads them to quiet waters. And you say, well, what's, what's the big deal? The quiet waters is important because all of us want quiet waters and we need to seek them out. But I got to tell you this morning, he wants us to not be in want, but some of us don't like the quiet waters. I've been around long enough. I said in the first service, I've been in ministry long enough. I've just been alive long enough to know there's some people that just don't want peace. There are some people that just want to fight all the time. There's some people that want to argue all the time. My friends, you're not going to find peace until you find a place of solitude with Jesus Christ. He is going to speak to you there. He's going to minister to you there. Devotion time, time in the Word is very important to us. You're not going to live in solitude as long as you're in constant distraction with technology. You're not going to live in peace and solitude as long as you're harboring feelings of unforgiveness and bitterness toward people. Church, it's time for us to put aside all the other things and to sit down and focus ourselves upon Christ and let some of the circumstances just melt away. He wants to meet us in that place. Secondly, Jesus is the bread of life. Psalm 23, verses 4 and 5 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Matthew 14, to parallel this, we see where they're at. In a solitude, place of solitude, a remote place. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. Quick point. It's important for us to realize there are times in our lives that people will not meet all of our needs. Think about it. Think about what I just said to you. There are times in our lives when people will not meet all of our needs. 
we have to go to a place of solitude to learn that sometimes. The tendency of people is this. When something happens, what do they do? They call people. Whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they're upset, whether they're angry, I'm going to call somebody. The other thing they do is this. I'll give them a piece of my mind. Oh, oh, oh. Take that one. Facebook, MySpace, all of those, all those social media sites are ate up with craziness, and my daughter wonders why she doesn't have one yet. Drives me nuts. Drama, fighting, bickering, arguing. Listen to me, my friends. Fighting back at somebody is not going to meet your need. The disciples said, Jesus, we don't have much. All we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. They had to realize that they couldn't meet everybody's need. My friend, you can't meet everybody's need. You can try to counsel them. You can try to talk to them. You can do whatever it is. But ultimately, at some point, there are some things that some of us need to realize there's not any fixing until we get our faces on the ground before our Lord and Savior. That's where I'm changed. Don't get me wrong. Friends are good. People are good. Doctors are good. All that stuff is fine and wonderful. But if that is where you place all your hope, your energy, your wisdom, your expectation for anything good in your life, you're going to miss out because there are some things that can't be fed except by Jesus. Nobody can fix or feed your spiritual hunger but you. Do you have a spiritual hunger? It's easy to turn on uh, Christian television and have somebody feed me. It's easy for you to come to church and Pastor Bob feed me. It's easy, but my friends, if you want to be sustained, you're going to have to open up the Word of God every day. If you want sustained, there are some things, there's some bread that I cannot give you. There are some things that God wants to speak to you personally. So anyway, that's just a thought. There's a hunger that develops within us at the time of our greatest need. Verse 18, bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Church, Jesus is the bread of life. Matthew 4, 4, he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can I tell you this morning that he is the word? And then he also said, I am the bread. He came from the mouth of God and he's the bread that comes from God. He's the living bread, church. He is the bread that sustains you that nobody else can give you. Nobody else can make you feel better and rub your little head and say, you're just wonderful, you're wonderful. But if you get in the Word of God and you see how ugly and nasty we are, He'll give you the bread of life. There's love there, there's mercy there. And it's out here, out here in the greatest enemies. Our greatest enemies sometimes are stuck out here in places of solitude. And these are the places that we need the bread. Or places of solitude where we can't get it from anybody else. When nobody else can meet our need, that's when we stop and we say, the Lord is preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You say, what enemies? These people were hurt. They were upset and sad. And now they're in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat. Your body starts telling you things. It's easy to get depressed quickly. 
Some of our biggest enemies are those that come around when we're in seclusion, in loneliness. Depression. Huge enemy. Huge foe. Because depression separates you and tells you that you're not important and tells you that nobody cares and just give up. Depression is like that lion that separates that little antelope that's wounded and hurt by itself off to the side so it can tear it to shreds. Our enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Another seclusion enemy would be pornography. That's not something you do in front of everybody. Right, men? I just read something this last week that over 50 to 60% of men in churches today are struggling with and dealing with pornography. Men in churches, Christian men. It's a secret seclusion sin. There's healing for you that in a secluded place that no man's going to fix. You need Jesus Christ in that situation. Loneliness. You name it, my friends. Some of our biggest enemies in America today are because we want to seclude ourselves off. But can I tell you today, it's okay to be secluded and be alone with Jesus. But nobody ever wants to get alone with Jesus. That takes too much time. I've got things going on and i got to read the Word and I've got to do this and I've got kids to pick up. I've got practices to go to. I've got work to get to. I've got this and this and this. Listen, my friends, if we're so caught up in all that stuff and we aren't willing to go to the bread of life, open it up and receive it for the day, we're going to be hurting. Amen. Because there's some things that only Jesus can provide for you. Thirdly, this morning, He pursues us. Oh, I got ahead of myself. And not only is he going to give you life, he's going to give you life more abundantly. Psalm 23 says, my cup overflows. How many baskets did they pick up after they were done? Twelve. My friend, whatever it is that you're in need of from God today, he's going to give it to you. Some of you have already received it. Some of you already received it from God. Thirdly, this morning, and quickly, Jesus pursues us. Verse 6 of Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This one is hard for people because... I'll just stay down there. I'm tired of walking back and forth all the time. This one is hard for people because they think God is not there. Jesus doesn't care. We have a great time in church, had a great prayer time, had a great time of devotion. He's feeding me. I feel encouraged. And then all of a sudden, this happened. Is this what it's like, Pastor Bob, when I follow God? Again, don't ask questions. Just trust. Let's look and see what happened. In Matthew 24, it says this. I'm sorry, Matthew 14, 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already 
a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The disciples have been there before. The disciples have been in the boat. You remember the story? They're in the boat. Jesus is asleep. And the waves and the wind pick up and they get afraid. And they're like, how can you sleep at a time like this? And he gets up and he calms the wind and the waves. But now they're alone. But now there's no sign of Jesus around. Now Jesus sent us into this storm. What kind of a shepherd would send all these people that he loves so much into a storm, the same shepherd that led you by a boat on the backside of a lake so that he can heal you. Do you know there are some storms that he sends us into that we just have to go through? Some of the biggest and most, uh, the greatest teachers in my life have been some of the storms I've endured. I know this is a simple message to you this morning, but a, a little over a year ago, when I was approached by a couple of board members about whether or not I was going to put in a resume for this position, they said, what do you think? I said, it sounds like I need to be praying. I need to pray. I need to have a clear word from the Lord. because Why? Because if I don't have a clear word from the Lord, if I just take it because I think I'm equipped, I'm well enough, I can do this, and I can do this because I want to, if I did it that way, when the first storm would hit, I would get afraid and I would run because I wouldn't know that I was right where God sent me to be. When God puts me in a boat and pushes me out, and I face a storm, I think, nothing can happen. God sent me into this. A lot of pastors duck and run because they don't know they're called where they're called. And so when the storm hits, they get afraid and they leave. And I said, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to have a clear word from the Lord that it's His will that I do this so that when a storm comes, I don't get afraid and run like a man. You see, the disciples were pushed out into a storm. But he followed him. He followed him. You say, what's your point, Pastor Bob? What's the big deal? I know I'm making it quick this morning. I know this is a real simple message. But God spoke it so strongly to my heart. I want, I want you to have the same truth in your life as well. That if you are in the will of God, if you're obeying the Lord in your life and a storm comes, there's no need for you to be afraid. You need to start looking around where your Savior's at because he's coming. Have you ever been in such a serious situation that everything you look at and every, everything that comes your path, everything that comes your way is threatening? Yeah. The disciples were in that situation. They look up and they say, look, is that a ghost? Oh, great. Not only are we in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a lake, we're all going to die, but now we're getting attacked by spirits. It's kind of like that story, the little kitten that I told you about, that the dog was just ripping it to shreds and me and my friend went to try to help the kitten and it latches onto my friend's thumb and bites through his thumb. Get off me, you stupid cat. We're trying to help you. Everything's threatening. Everything. Have you ever known somebody that's in such a storm that they're just mad at everybody in the world? That happened to me the other day. <laughs> it wasn't in my notes in the first service either, but I'll share it with you too. I, I'm, uh, I'm crazy with my, my uh, 
my finances. I, 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 I try to, it's not like I'm greedy, I'm not, but I'm responsible, that's the word. Very responsible with my finances. Lissa's getting braces on Monday, so we, we paid a lump, we did all, I mean, we plan, we prepare, and, and I had it all worked out, and I, and I deposited a bunch of money, and I transferred a bunch of money. I mean, we, I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars in the last week and a half. So I, I, I do all that, I get it straightened out, and I come home Friday night, had a great day, everything's been wonderful. I come home, uh, and, and I, I go to the mailbox, and lo and behold, I pull it open, there's a thing from the credit union. I'm like, what in the world's that? I peel it open, and it says, check return for insufficient funds. There was this mushroom cloud on the inside of me, an explosion of anger. Well, they're wrong. I checked it twice. I did this, and I transferred money, and I just, and I was mad. I called myself, I am not paying a $25 fee. I'm just going to do Well, the, the transfer I made on the computer, apparently I didn't hit confirm. It's amazing how one little click can cost you $25. So I was mad, and then I was trying to get over it. And my loving wife, she's so nice. It's okay, sweetie, it's all right. Everybody makes mistakes. It's all right. I know you're not irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know. Tell me again. Tell me again. You know. <laughs> so I decided to make some tuna salad because tuna salad fixes everything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my tuna salad fixes everything. It's good. But anyway, I, I decided to make some tuna salad, and you know, and I'm not, the ladies especially, I know you know this, when you make tuna salad, you got the can and it's always full of water, they rip you off. There's not as much tuna in there as it looks like. So you take the tuna and then you squeeze out the water, you know what I'm saying? This has never happened to me before. I'm squeezing out the water and about that time, tuna shoots everywhere. I guess in my anger I was pushing harder than normal, I don't know what happened. But all I know is that while I'm pushing the tuna, it's spraying tuna all over the wall, over myself. And I just stand here with it in my hand and look at April. She goes, I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. I said, no. I said, do you think the Lord's trying to tell me something? <laughs> we got tests sometimes. Amen? Amen? And even the little things like tuna spraying all over the wall can be just, a, just enough to set you off. The disciples see a spirit coming to them on the water. Oh, Great! Now there's a spirit coming to me on the water. Are you kidding me? But we all know that it was a shepherd. We all know it was a loving shepherd. We know it's the one that, that leaves the 99 to go find the one. We know that it's the shepherd that pushes us out sometimes into the storms just to see how we're going to handle it. We know it's the shepherd that was there the first time they were in the boat and came walking to them the second time. He spoke to the waves the first time. The second time he walked on top of them. He says, haven't you got it figured out yet, people? Why are you afraid? And one man, Peter, says, listen, if that's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. Gets out of the boat. We know the story. God has called us to follow him, church. One step at a time. There are some days where it takes all the energy you have just to put one foot in front of the other. You know who you are. You know what you deal with. You know what you contend with. And you're struggling one foot in front of the other. Lord, just help me to put another foot in front of the other today. But listen, if you're following him, if you're following him amidst a storm, you're walking on water. Amen. Have you ever had somebody look at you and say, I don't know how you do it. How do you deal with this? 
I'm just following my Savior. My friend, there's no reason to doubt. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason for you to look away and start putting your eyes on the storm because He made the wind and the waves. He walks on top of them. He walks on top of cancer. He walks on top of heart conditions. He walks on top of diabetes. He walks on top of broken bones. He walks on top of blood diseases. He walks on top of it. You name whatever it is. He walks on top of marital situations. He walks on top of disobedient kids. He he walks on top of angry church members. He walks. No, I'm just kidding. He walks on it all. Amen. He's above it. My friends, you and I want to get ourselves inside of it. This self-pity of the wind and the waves and say, oh, life is so horrible. It's all awful. What am I going to do? Where's my Savior? You want to know where He is? He's standing over you saying, take my hand. Get out of that mess. Why did you doubt me? He doesn't want you to doubt, my friends. He doesn't want you to go through life with pity meitis. He doesn't want you to go through life fearful of everything that's going to happen. Oh, what was me? It's another horrible thing that's going to happen in my life. Maybe we all should just learn whatever it is he's trying to teach us, grab his hand and move on. He's a shepherd that loves you. He is the bread of life. And he is pursuing you. You are not alone. He leads you at times when you feel like you're alone. He's leading you. You just keep following him. And at times when you are alone and you're in a solitude place, be alone with Jesus and he's going to feed you the word of God. And even when you're in the midst of the storm, start, start looking. Keep walking and start looking, my friends, because he's pursuing you. And some of you, and myself at times, I, I needed to do this when the stupid tuna came flying all over the wall, is I just need to look up and grab his hand because he's there. God has done a ministry around these altars today. And this morning, we're going to simply close it out by letting you know that that same God that worked a healing here that we're just believing in, that touched Carla's eyes that we're going to begin to start seeing improvement in, the same God that's working in all these situations over here that we prayed for, is the same God that's walking on the waves of your life, regardless of how big or how small your problem is. He loves you. Amen. He loves you. Will you stand with me this morning?